Welcome back to the Wrong Opinion, Useless NBA Trivia and Garbage Rankings. This week we're talking about the Detroit Pistons. One of the oldest franchises in NBA history began in 1948, only two years after the NBA was founded. In their 76 years, they've made the playoffs 42 times. They played the eighth most playoff games in NBA history, above guys like the Bulls, the Rockets, the Bucks, the Suns, the Jazz, the Heat, obviously. Uh, but they've only won about 48% of their games. That's 20th best among NBA franchises. Now, the first decade or so was was in Fort Wayne. It was actually the first year was in the BAA, which preceded the NBA, but the NBA as we know it began as the BAA in 46. After missing the playoffs their first season, they went on to make the playoffs every year. Every following year, they were in Fort Wayne. They made the finals in back-to-back -back years in 55 and 56. Larry Faust and then George Yarley, Dick McGuire. A lot of the more important players of this era came from the Pistons. They moved to Detroit in 57. So, so they're one of the oldest tenured teams in their respective city. I think it's New York, Boston, obviously those two are, are top two. I think Detroit's number three. They continue to make the playoffs every year until 63. A lot of division finals, division semis, and they eventually had guys like Dave Bing and Dave DeBusher. But beyond that, there wasn't much help. DeBusher, one of the all-time great guys, being amazing scorer, really good offensive player. They only made the playoffs together once. DeBusher made it twice and then Bing made it in 68. So just a lot of average, a lot of decent for the first half of their franchise. In the 70s, they had Bob Lanier, who only took him to four playoffs. One of the unknown greats, the lost greats of the 70s, just died a little bit ago. Really important for bringing the, uh, the game overseas. But by the 80s, they were borderline dominant. They made the playoffs nine straight times from 83 until 92. They kept getting bounced by the Celtics in the playoffs. And once they overcame the Celtics, they made three straight finals, won the final two, beating Magic Johnson and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in their final finals appearance together. And while the Celtics kept bouncing the Pistons early on, the Pistons kept bouncing the Bulls, and like they had to overcome it with the Celtics, the Bulls overcame the, the Pistons. Isaiah got old pretty quick and Joe Dumars kind of became, but he's just not a leading player. They bottomed out at 20 wins before drafting Grant Hill, who looked to change the franchise all-time player, incredibly popular, kept leading the league in all-star voting while sharing a league with Michael Jordan. <laughs> so that's cool. And then in 2000, they traded him, basically pretty much just being Grant Hill for Ben Wallace. Grant Hill got hurt, didn't have much of the rest of his career, Ben Wallace became an icon in Detroit. At the same time, they flipped Jerry Stackhouse for Rip Hamilton, who had worse stats, but looking back, had clearly a better career. They picked up Chauncey Billups, who kept bouncing around early in his career, was a nice shooter, defensive player, and they became one of the best teams of the 2000s. Of course, in 2003, despite whipping on the number two pick, getting Darko Milicic, they traded for Rashid Wallace, completing their five-man lineup where anybody could guard anybody. Everybody could kind of score except for Ben Wallace, but nobody was like the de facto main guy. Just an incredible setup, and they ended up making the conference finals six straight times. That hasn't happened a lot in NBA history. They won the title in 04, taking down the Shaq and Kobe Lakers, and then barely lost in seven to Tim Duncan and the Spurs the next year. And then eventually they became the team that young players would have to defeat to overcome. You know, Dwayne Wade beat them in the conference finals, then LeBron James, and then the Celtics with not young players, but a new, brand new team. And then from then on, this last decade, they've sucked. 
Andre Drummond has given them a little bit of life. Uh, there's a four-year stretch where they were winning, you know, 37 to 44 games a season. Uh, they took a swing on Blake Griffin, who had an amazing 2019, uh, and then got hurt. His career is never the same. And these last couple years, just not good. They've got a lot of young talent. I'm not big on Cade Cunningham. I don't think he's a winning player, uh, but we'll see. I'm more about history here anyway than projecting. But it's just such an odd franchise because they have two, they have three eras where they were one of the best teams in the league. You know, making the playoffs every year from 50 until 1963, including a couple finals appearances. The 80s dominated five straight conference finals, three straight finals appearances, two titles, and then of course, six straight conference finals in the 2000s. So they are one of the best teams of all time, but like this section says, it's decades of terrible moments of greatness. But let's get to the rankings. First team point guard, clear best player in franchise history, Isaiah Thomas. I think when people are ranking their top all-time point guards, people put him farther down than he should be. And I'm a big Chris Paul guy. Isaiah Thomas is probably better than Chris Paul. I mean, he was a small point guard who led his team to two titles. That doesn't happen very often. Now, the important thing about those late 80s, early 90s teams is how big they were. They had Rick Mahorn, John Sally, Dennis Rodman, James Edwards, and Bill Lambeer. And then they had nice wing scorers. They originally had Adrian Dantley, traded him for Mark Aguirre. Joe Dumars is a great defensive player. But Isaiah Thomas was the focal point. He was their best scorer, the best distributor, a, a great pickpocketer, good defensive player, never a negative. He's an all-time bad three-point shooter, but for his era, he actually ranks kind of high in some stuff, which is so bizarre. Like in 1983, shot 28% from the from three. That was second in the league. <laughs> so that's absurd. But in NBA history, fifth in assists per game with just over nine, tenth in total assists. He scored just shy at 19,000, and he only played 13 years. He had one season in 85, almost 14 assists per game with 21 points and low usage. I love these low, low usage guys. He played 111 playoff games and his stats were immensely better than the playoffs. Now among Pistons players, he's you know first in assists, steals, points, everything you'd kind of imagine. But every conversation about Isaiah just completely, completely leaves out that he was a dominant offensive force in a position and size that you didn't often see that. And his short P kind of, kind of hurts him. I mean, he, he made 12 All-Stars in his 13 seasons, which is incredible, but only five All-NBA teams. And he was kind of market corrected a little bit. He came after Magic, but Magic kind of overshadowed him at the same position, doing similar things from vastly different sizes. And the 87 Conference Finals where he threw away the pass kind of hurts him, but he came up big so many times in the next three years. He played hurt, didn't miss a lot of games until late, and always hit the big shots. Big Isaiah Thomas guy here. First team, shooting guard. I am not as big on this guy, Joe Dumars. I think he's a little bit overrated because he played on those really good teams. I think he was more of a beneficiary of having a steady array of awesome big men around him as well as a perfect point guard. He put up 20 a game three times. His best season came in 93, which was late, late Isaiah Thomas. The team only won 40 games but he averaged 23 and a half a game. What he was, was an incredible defensive player. He was a very nice three-point shooter too, 38% from it for his career. He started taking a lot late in his career. Originally it was like, you know, 40% on 0.3 attempts per game, then jumped up to 40% on a three and a half a game. And then eventually he's jacking up four and a half, five, six threes a game, still shooting 40, 43%. So he came just a little bit early, I think, because otherwise he might've been a very nice offensive player. But what he was, was the best defensive shooting guard in the league, not named Michael Jordan. He was on a couple all NBA teams, but he was on five straight all defensive teams. 
Now, in his Pistons career, he's still first in threes made, mostly because most of his contemporaries, most of the other guys who would otherwise have passed him, didn't play their whole careers with the Pistons, which he did. Then he's second, he's third in steals, second in assists, second in points with 16,000. So while I diss him a little bit because I think he's historically overrated, he's probably not a Hall of Famer in any other situation, he was a great defensive player and he won finals MVP before Isaiah Thomas. In those finals, a four-game sweep over the aging Lakers, 27 points per game on 58% shooting. The dude was clutch. First team, small forward. Man, this first team is all incredibly obvious, but this is Grant Hill. Now, I knew Grant more with Phoenix in his older years because that's when I started watching basketball. That's when I was young, where he was playing every single game, hitting a couple threes, 12 points a game. But that wasn't the story of his career. He really had three arcs with three different teams. Detroit, he was a dominant, dominant player. At his peak, he was 21 points, seven assists, nine rebounds a game. In 2000, he averaged 26 points a game. League that wasn't scoring a lot of points. He was an all-star every year in Detroit, other than 99 when there was the lockout, there was no team, there was no all-star game. And then with Orlando, his career just tanked because of injuries. He never really played full seasons until he was 32, and at that point, he was just done. He was. His shot as a all-star, as a, as a great player, was over. But even so, just with that Pistons career, Hall of Famer, Rookie of the Year his, his first year. Second season, he was second team All-NBA. First team in 97, and then three more second teams. And I've talked about how 97 was a really weak league, but even so, he was third in MVP voting behind Karl Malone and Michael Jordan. That's really impressive. He is their all-time leader in triple doubles. If he's playing now, he'd be putting up 30 triple doubles a season. He got 29 in that Pistons career. He's top five to 10 in most categories, in most Pistons categories, because he was he was there so short a time. By the time he was there, he was an icon. That said, he made the playoffs four times in those six years, never made it out of the first round. So that hurts him a little bit. First team power forward. This guy actually spent a lot of time playing small forward during his Pistons career, but that's because he was surrounded by three or four other big men every time he was there. This is Dennis Rodman. Seven seasons in Detroit, two All-Star games. He averaged 10 points a game once in his career. <laughs> 11.6 and 88. Now he began his career as a sixth man uh, because again, they had Lane Beer and then Mahorn, Sally, Edwards over the next couple years while uh, uh, Aguirre and Dantley were starting above him at, at small forward. But by 1991, he was a bona fide starter. He was an all-star in 90, by the way, as a sixth man. And his crazy rebounding numbers start late in his Detroit career. He went from four to nine, up to 10, and then 12.5 in 91, 18.7 career high in 92, 18.3 in 93. And then they stayed ridiculous for, for a few more years. He was a lockdown defensive player, only six foot seven, 210, but he was just a freaking maniac. Now that really hurt him <laughs> later in his career. A lot of off-court stuff took him out. And I think when a player has multiple games with zero points but 20 rebounds, that's not necessarily a positive, but even so, he's one of the most tenacious rebounders of all time. Top 25 in rebounds, 10th in rebounds per game. Uh, he couldn't score, lockdown defender. Back-to-back -back Defensive Player of the Year awards in 90 and 91. One of which, by the way, came as a sixth man. Now in Pistons history, the only thing he ranks in is rebounds, and that's top five. He only played seven seasons with Detroit, so I've always been a little bit negative on Rodman, but he was defensive all, all defensive first team from 89, again, as a sixth man through 96. 
third-team All-NBA in 92. Seven straight seasons leading the league in rebounding. Just some crazy numbers there. And first-team center, I think you could argue a couple different guys, but this is clearly Bob Lanier. He was on the Pistons literally throughout the entire 70s, drafted in March 1970, traded away in February 1980. Uh, number one overall pick when he was drafted. For his Pistons career, 10 seasons, 23 points, 12 rebounds, couple assists. Nice shot blocker too. They started counting blocks in his fourth season. The first year counting, three blocks a game. He had some tremendous numbers. A 26 and 14 season, 24 and 15, 25 and 12. Uh, but he only made the playoffs four times, from 74 to 77, out of the first round twice. So his teams weren't particularly competitive, but they weren't surrounding him with a lot of good players either. Bob Lanier was a legitimately great player for a long stretch of time. Now he died about a year ago now. His legacy ends up being this incredible ambassador for the sport globally. Uh, he had massive feet. <laughs> which is always a fun thing. He wore size 11 when he was 11 years old. Uh, but on the court, just very frustrating because he started his career playing with Dave Bing, who we'll talk about in a little bit. He had a couple injuries in his final four years, keeping him off the court, never playing more than 64 games those last few years. And he had eight coaches in his 10 seasons. And that, that's just not winning, you know? And unfortunately, he was never all NBA because there's only two spots and he's going against Cowens and Kareem and Willis Reed. Wilt Chamberlain, other guys. But he's still third all-time in Pistons rebounds. And he's third in points, 15,000. Big Bob Lanier guy. So that's the first team, Isaiah Thomas, Joe Dumars, Grant Hill, Dennis Rodman, Bob Lanier, second team point guard. We're going Chauncey Billups. The turn in the franchise really came with Ben Wallace and then just an incredible front office game, which by the way, came from Joe Dumars, who had a really interesting uh, front office career, which I'm gonna get into real quick. So in the early 2000s, he made the smart move of trading away Grant Hill, who was dealing with injuries, for this guy, Ben Wallace, who could do, you know, three things amazingly. Traded a more recognizable player like Jer Jerry Stackhouse for Rip Hamilton. Signed Chauncey Billups, who nobody wanted. He played for four teams in his first few seasons. Didn't come to Detroit till he was 26. And then the trade for Rasheed Wallace. But then later in the 2000s, just some dumb decisions like trading away Chauncey for an aging Allen Iverson, letting Ben Wallace walk. Just a lot of weird moves later in his career. But whatever, talking about Chauncey Billups. So he came to Detroit in 2002-3 season. Basically six seasons and then two games into 2008, he was traded for Allen Iverson. Terrible decision. And then he came back for more in, uh, in 2014, you know, put number four game. Traditional stats don't love him. He was 16-6 and six for his career. Solid passer, peaked at about nine a game could score. Tremendous three-point shooter, 39% for his career, would be taking a lot more now, only peaked at five a game. But the most important thing about Mr. Big Shot, that was his nickname, that's a good nickname, was his defense. He's a strong, stout player who could guard any kind of point guard and could really defend up to, really, he, he could bang with guys in the post and not give an inch. Now he's not stopping Shaq, but he could, but that was the beautiful thing about those Pistons teams. They could switch Chauncey and Ben Wallace and not really give up too much. He was twice All-NBA with, uh, with the Pistons, made three All-Stars with them. And in franchise history, he's fourth in assists, second in threes. But again, the stats don't do justice to how important he was for changing a franchise that had been around for a long, long time. And for the previous 15 years, I hadn't done much after having a borderline dynasty. I remember when Steph Curry and the Warriors started taking off, Chauncey Billups was making fun of them for not being able to uh, win in the playoffs because you need more than just shooting 
to win a title, which, you know, that looks different now. But Chauncey Billups really should have been playing a lot like Steph Curry. He should have taken 10 threes a game. And that's why I think that 04 Pistons team could translate really well into, today, into today's game. Chauncey and Rashid were great three-point shooters. Rip Hamilton was really good. Sometimes, sometimes not. <laughs> I'm going to talk about him in a second. And anybody could guard any position. It could be positionless on the defensive end. Uh, second team shooting guard. Going to talk about him quicker than I thought. Richard Hamilton. Rip played nine seasons in Detroit. He was a solid 20 points a game guy with Washington, uh, but running too much for the old, old Michael Jordan, so they wanted to slow him down. Jerry Stackhouse. And it was not an even trade. Rip was the uh, de facto scorer on that team, and he was a very nice scorer, 18 a game for Detroit. Again, in an era where guys didn't score a lot. He was a solid defensive player. That wasn't necessarily his prowess, but just such an odd three-point shooting history. If you look at his uh, percentages, his first his first four seasons with Detroit, 27, 27, 30%, 46%, <laughs> but he only made 55. That's just such an odd number. You'd think he'd be taking more now. Uh, Three-time All-Star, he was never All-NBA, but he was running a track meet every single game. They measure that now, how long guys run. I guarantee he would lead the league every single year in miles run <laughs> on the NBA court. He's sixth in points, one of eight guys with uh, 10,000 in the Pistons career. Rip Hamilton, you know, budget Reggie Miller. Just running around screens, better defender than Reggie Miller was. Second team, small forward. We're going old school. We're going George Yardley, their OG Hall of Famer. He died in 2004, right after they won the title. That's pretty cool. Now, he only had a seven-year career. That was kind of normal for guys back then. Uh, six seasons in Detroit before going to Syracuse. Made a couple All-Stars. Led the league with 28 points per game in 1958. That ain't bad, my guy. I do not have a lot of George Yardley stories. But for that first little bit of NBA history, he was a really important player. Took him to two finals, barely lost to Syracuse, who he later played for in a seven game 55 series. And then the next year, and then went back 25 and 15 in the NBA finals. That's pretty good. Doing some George Yardley research, he was the first guy to score 2,000 points in a season, breaking George Mikan's record. He was apparently known for having a lot of flair, which was not a, a big thing in the 50s. You think of uh, Bob Cousy kind of inventing that, but George Yardley was the OG. Now second team, power forward, I'm going Rashid, and I think that's fair, because the guy on our third team, uh, he had a better career, better player, he didn't get a title. Rashid Wallace was, when you talk about players that were traded before the season, or in this case, mid-season and swung a title, Rashid Wallace is the first one you come up with. Uh, they made the play or they made the conference finals the year before, losing to Jason Kidd and the Nets. And then in 04, with only about 20 games left, they made a big trade for Rashid Wallace, where they let Lindsey Hunter go in the trade and then re-signed him before the finals. Now his stats are so much lower with Detroit than they were with Portland, because by the time he hit his 30s, he was a little bit older. But still good for, you know, 15 and seven or eight in a tremendous three-point shooter for a big man. The first guy ever to hit 100 threes with 100 blocks. Did it several times with Detroit. Two-time All-Star, he was never All-NBA at any point during his career. But he was the critical glue guy, because he could do literally everything the team needed him to do. And he used the resident head case, kind of. He played so many playoff games throughout his career, 177. Now, a lot of these guys in the Pistons rank really high, especially in the on the uh, 2000s Pistons, rank really high in all-time playoff series played. And again, at no point looking through any of his playoff series or his game log, do you see anything that's like, wow, that was incredible. But he just did everything day in, day out. 
He did the dirty work and was arguably the most important player on those teams. I wouldn't say that, but you could argue that and I wouldn't fight you too hard. Now franchise history, he's fourth in threes. That's huge, but doesn't rank high in anything else. All-time leader in technical fouls in a season. Nobody's ever gonna break that because they changed the rules to punish you if you get too many. So it's just impossible to actually break his record. It was like 42, 41 in the 2000 season. <laughs> and then he kept racking, up, kept racking them up with Detroit. Now our second team, center. This was the toughest one two guys I really like. I'm going with Ben Wallace. And the thing that swung me is that he is a Hall of Famer, the other guy is not. He played uh, six seasons in his original stretch with Detroit. Uh, he left to the rival Chicago for more money. Detroit still made a couple conference finals in the following two years, but just were not the same type of contenders. It was a really bad East back then. But when he came was when they started making playoffs. In 2002, they made the playoffs, which People didn't see coming. They thought it was going to be a rebuild post Grant Hill. He led the league in rebounding twice, peaking at 15.4 per game. Led the league's league in blocks with three and a half per game. First career, two blocks, but he could not score. Terrible, terrible free throw shooter that really hurt him. He's only one of five players to have more blocks than personal fouls, and the only one of those five to also have more steals than turnovers. On top of that, he had almost twice as many rebounds as points, and almost as many combined steals and blocks as points. Now for a five year stretch, the reason I defended him being in the Hall of Fame, which he is now, which I'm very excited about, he's an important part section that era of history for five years he was one of the three best defensive centers of all time he didn't have a long peak it was really that five years and then around that couple more years before and after but in those five years four defense player of the year awards narrowly second in 2004 he should have gotten five straight defense player of the year awards short peak in general short pistons career he still ends up fourth in rebounds and first in blocks with 1486 so that's our second team chauncey rip George Yardley, Rasheed Wallace, Ben Wallace, and his four guys on the 0-4 team. That was not intentional. Thirteen point guard, Dave Bing. I don't think he's necessarily a winning player. He only played 12 seasons, nine of which came with Detroit. Only made the playoffs five times. But he was a tremendous talent. He led the league in total points in 68. That's when they used to count total points as the, as the title getter instead of points per game, because Oscar Robertson technically led in points per game, but fewer points, but he doesn't get the title, whatever. For his Pistons career, 23 and six. Three-time All-NBA, Rookie of the Year. He was one of the early guys to pioneer uh, scoring from the shooting guard, from the point guard position. Uh, while Jerry and Oscar Robertson obviously scored a lot too, uh, they really focused on team play. Dave Bing was very much, I'm gonna score the ball most importantly. Uh, he became a nice uh, businessman and politician later in his life. Uh, but Dave Bing, important player in NBA history. Third team shooting guard going Vinny Johnson. Now he never won sixth man of the year, but he's one of the all-time sixth men. 10 seasons in Detroit, 13 points a game, but his nickname was the Microwave because he could take off at any point and just score at will. Not a great three-point shooter, low percentages, a lot of stuff that you kind of expect from sixth men shooting guards. And I usually uh, penalize sixth men on this, but I think he was probably, he was one of the most important parts of those Pistons teams that won a couple titles. Now the important thing about those teams is that they were constructed so well they had so many big men. One of them was a star. One of them was a burgeoning star. Two guards that were incredible, aging small forwards. But he he was leading the bench. He could back up either Isaiah Thomas and run the point, or Joe Dumars and 
uh, and score the ball for them. And that microwave nickname was given to him by uh, Danny Ainge, but then in 1990, he had a game-winning shot, game five of the NBA Finals against the Blazers, 0.7 seconds left, gave him a new nickname, 007, that won the series for them. So that's cool. Third team, small forward. I wanted to give it up to another, uh, to one of the guys that won a title, but I'm going with Bailey Howell, the garbage man, another Hall of Famer. Only five seasons in Detroit, uh, four All-Stars, and then ended up winning a couple titles in Boston. But for his uh, Detroit career, 21 and 12, made the playoffs four times, and he doesn't rank high in any of their stats, ninth in rebounds, I guess. He only won one playoff series. Uh, All-NBA second team in 63. But this is kind of when Detroit was in their first kind of lull. They were still making playoffs, but they were no longer the dominant team, of the, the borderline dominant team of the 50s. But when he became one of the best players on the Celtics and won a couple titles, yeah, it's like maybe, maybe they did him dirty. Maybe he could have been better. 13 power forward, you could argue him second team, you could argue him first team, maybe. Dave DeBusher. Same kind of player type as Dennis Rodman without the crazy, undersized, six foot six, tremendous rebounder, 11 a game for his career. Fantastic defensive player, not a shot blocker, but just a lockdown guy. Ended his career making first team all defense every single year that they had it installed. Uh, they didn't have that with, uh, with Detroit though. But also on top of that, just a knockdown long range shooter. Would have benefited from a three-point range. We talked about him a lot with the Knicks, so I'm not going to spend too much time on him. But was the best player in the team for a long stretch. Might be a little bit better than Dave Bing. And with that one-two punch, they should have done some damage in the playoffs. So it's kind of a bummer that they never got the right guys around them. And then third-team center, Bill Lane Beer. Everybody hated this man, except for those in Detroit. Having grown up in Michigan, I am a huge fan of Bill Lane Beer. It's funny, he was born in Boston, but he was hated by every single Boston guy. Interesting start to his career, played at, played in Italy his first season, uh, a year with the Cavs, not playing too much, and then traded to Detroit, and then instantly an All-Star. Four All-Star game, yeah, four All-Star appearances over the next five years, did not miss games, literally from 83 to 88, didn't miss a single game, 81 games the next two seasons, and then 82, 81, 79, and then, you know, 11, whatever. Still their all-time leader in rebounding, above 12 a game every year from 83 until 86. In 86, he led the league with 13.1 per game. Very nice free throw shooter. High 80s most of his career, a couple 89% seasons. A much better scorer than Rodman, but kind of got usurped. And then they started playing together, but by that time, Lambier was a little bit older. But he was the, uh, the resident enforcer of those teams, as well as being one of the best players on two title teams. A lot of cool nicknames, the Prince of Darkness, his heinous, freaking love those. And he totally owned being the villain. One of the best villains in NBA history. Uh, a lot of cheap shots too, but whatever, it's the Pistons, it's kind of what you expect. I mean, they were the bad boy Pistons, they enforced the Jordan rules and they freaking won, so it worked out. So that's our third team, Dave Bing, Vinny Johnson, Bailey Howell, Dave DeBusher, Bill Lambeer, hardest cuts, Kevin Porter, one of the best passers of the 70s, but this was an era marked with um, me first players. So there weren't a lot of great passers. Uh, he did lead the league three times in assists. One of them was eight a game. One of them was 13.4 though. That's among, that's that's up there in all time, assists per game marks. But he spent two years in Detroit and then traded to the Jets and then, the Jets, traded to the Nets and then back to Detroit for more. Didn't play a long time. Uh, he's not better than Dave Bing, so not even close. Uh, Tayshawn Prince I really wanted to, to talk about. Somehow didn't get a lot of all defensive teams, despite being one of the best defensive wings in the league. Long, lanky, thin, and was kind of the, uh, in 2006, all four of his starting teammates made the All-Star game and he did not. Kind of a bummer. 
Uh, Mark Aguirre, same thing. He won the titles. This, this was after his career was great, but still was kind of the uh, the go-to half-court guy for a few years there when it wasn't Isaiah. Uh, Kelly Tropuca, drafted the same time as Mark Aguirre, first of all, but also uh, same same year as Isaiah Thomas. Played five seasons, seasons in Detroit, 22 a game, including 26.5 in 1983. So you could put him over Bailey Howell and it wouldn't be crazy. Because uh, neither really did a lot in the playoffs. I mean, Bailey didn't, but Tripuka made the playoffs three times from 84 to 86. Didn't do anything with that. Uh, but when they traded him, they got better. Traded him for Dantley, made the conference finals, and then the finals, and then one, two straight. And they flipped Dantley. Uh, he's, he was just really good at putting up big stats on bad teams, which really shows in, a, in 88 with Utah, he was 28, put up only eight points a game. That was a good team. The next year, we went to the Hornets, an expansion franchise, 23 a game. So I just don't value a lot of stats, no substance. I think you can also talk, talk about Larry Faust and Larry and uh, Walter Dukes, a couple guys from the old ages that were really important to the team, really high in, in, in big stats. And I'm a big Andre Drummond guy, All-NBA a couple times, incredible all-time rebounder, but they sucked with him, and Pistons have a lot of big guys. If you hate my wrong opinions, tweet me at Wrong opinion, NBA. As always, check out Hooper's Lane. A lot of cool stuff going on there. Talking about Summer League, talking about Victor Wembenyama, and whether it's worth it to draft him. We'll be back next week talking about the second and final team in the section titled Decades of Terrible Moments of Greatness. A team that never won back-to-back titles, but won three in very, very different eras. It's been 40 years since their last title. And now they've got two guys that have historically bad playoff resumes. Can they overcome it? We'll see. Till then, peace out.